0: hey everybody welcome to the 113th episode of the jdo show i'm your host j david osborne and today on the show i have kelby losak the author of heathenish and the upcoming the way we came in today on the show we talk about uh magic we talk about writing we talk about how we're tired of regular ass narratives there's a fucking mosquito in here what the fuck how are these guys getting in um Real quick, quick note, my new book, A Minor Storm, which is all wrapped up and just needs a couple more edits before it's ready to go, is available for pre-order. I have it up there uh, saying that it's going to be released on November 1st, but I'm probably going to release it sooner than that because I'm impatient, and if it's done, why not just fucking release it? So that's available there. Uh, Pre-ordering it through my site brbjdo.bigcartel.com, ordering it through that site. I'll sign that shit. And also, uh, it's just a really big help. It's a super, super huge help. Pre-orders kind of uh, are what make a writer's life go round. So go ahead and get it off the site. I mean, eventually it will be available on Amazon if you really like uh, supporting the corporate overlords, I suppose. Um, But uh, yeah, go pick that one up. Also, real quick, sorry for all the housekeeping, but one more thing. I do have a Patreon now. I, I started that shit back up, and I finally figured out a way to make that work in a way where I can keep up with it. The challenges that i faced in the past are, you know, all the rewards that you offer for people end up being, uh, you know, a lot of work. So what I'm doing there is I'm basically doing episodes where I either do solo shows, where I do writing tips, or, uh, for example, the next episode that I have planned at least... I'm gonna record it this weekend, hopefully it's with Rob Hart and we're gonna talk about like how working out and fitness and shit is really helpful uh, to uh, maintain a healthy writer's life. Uh, in the future, I'll probably talk to close friends of mine. Basically, this podcast is about me talking to writers and publishers about writing and publishing. you know, and the conversations go all over the place, but, That is the theme of the show. That's what I'm sticking to with the main episodes. But the bonus episodes will be a lot of really cool, exclusive shit about, uh, you know, various and sundry things. There's also a $7 tier where I'll be writing a short story every month if you want to do that. That would also be cool. But head on over to Patreon.com slash JDO. Sign up for that shit. Once again, this is all just, this is 2018, dude. This is where we live. This is what we do. This is how we continue to produce, this is how I have the means to continue putting out books on Broken River, my own books, this podcast, everything, so your help is greatly appreciated and you get some cool shit for it. And that's that. Without further ado, please do enjoy this 113th episode of the JDO Show featuring Kelby Losek. Kelby motherfucking Losek, how's it going, dude?
1: It's going good. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, man, it's going good. I'm just out here getting episodes out on time. You know, every Wednesday, dude, I'm getting them out now. No more two week waits. It used to be like, if I missed the day, I would be like, Oh shit, I missed it. And then (laughs) I just wouldn't do anything until next time. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm out here trying to like start up this, this Patreon. And part of that is just like, just being regular. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your night to, uh, to talk to me on the regular free JDO show.
1: Oh, I just had a million other things to do, but it's okay.
0: No, it's cool, man. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. What are you What are you drinking?
1: That was iced coffee. Oh, I got home my,
0: I got my coffee as well, dude. I'm on uh, I'm on day six of no beer, and I feel really good, actually.
1: Wide awake and. Mm-hmm. Ready to work and shit.
0: Yep, just getting stuff done, dude. It's really, I think that that might have been the biggest hurdle that I had to face uh, with writing and Broken River and everything like that. And it was a hurdle that I didn't want to admit existed because I love beer so much. But when I drink, dude, it's like when I'm drunk, I don't want to do shit. And then when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like doing shit. And there's a tiny little window then in my day where I can do shit. And then it's just a matter of like, you know, if something pops up, if I have to run an errand or something, and it's in that tiny window and I feel like doing stuff, I just won't won't do anything. And time passes very, very quickly.
1: Yeah, alcohol with me is always like, there's that little window where I feel like it's unlocked the, it's gotten rid of the inhibition bullshit. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, now like I really feel like... I could get some shit done. Like I can just relax and do some shit. And by the time I get to what I'm going to do though, then it's moved from, Oh wow. I'm all loosened up into like, Oh, I just feel like passing out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I love, I love that feeling, dude. I love like, cause it does make me feel a little wild and crazy. And I, I love all that shit. But you know, in the six days that I haven't been drinking, I designed an entire book. I looked at your book. I've finished my book, and I'm like getting all my freelance stuff cleared out of my queue. so it's just there's really when you look at just the brass tacks of it, you know if I ever stop producing things, it's like, oh, David started drinking again
1: <laughs> this that's the telltale, yeah, yeah, so what
0: did yeah. you what did you do today?
1: I fucking worked all day uh and then came home and had to had to work some more um which is my own choosing most of the time really but it was like the um our fucking door casing is rotted out on like the back door mm-hmm. and i noticed it cuz all these fucking tree roaches are coming in and shit and i don't like i don't like bugs we keep a really clean house <laughs> so i was like these motherfuckers gotta go. Yeah, dude. So.
0: No, that's that's cool, man. Yeah, I know. I uh, I heard something. I saw something on Twitter. You were talking about there's a ghost in your shop. What's up with that?
1: I think um, because it used to. be, My grandparents used to live in the the shop where I work, and uh, like it used to be a house. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, when I when I posted that, my mom brought up like, Hey, what area is it in? And I was like, you know, it's, like, sort of just this this back corner. And she's like, oh, that, I mean, that's where his room used to be, like my great-grandfather. And she was like, it's probably him. So I don't know. I guess he's just stuck there wandering. Dude, that's kind of terrifying, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy because uh, everybody sees it, um, like everybody who works out there will be like, so you know there's a ghost here, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's totally a ghost here. hmm does
0: it do anything? Does it knock shit over?
1: Uh, no. It makes a lot of slamming noises. Like, I don't. I've never caught it opening and closing shit because I've always got my back turned or like mm-hmm. I'm uh or I'm taking a piss and then I hear like just crash, 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 crash and I'm like, damn it, who's out there? And I get there at like uh i get there like five in the morning Mm -hmm. and it'll be like when i'm all by myself and it's all pitch black and shit (laughs) just be slamming doors so i'm like oh shit what are you looking for
0: right right right. and it's like whenever you're what if like one time when you were pissing you just heard like nice dick (laughs) damn thank you i'm scared right now but thank you (laughs) yeah much 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 obliged that's the nicest ghost i've ever met yeah nice nice <laughs> you have a nice dick too ghost person <laughs> yeah. so you believe in a lot of paranormal shit
1: i mean whatever i w- wh- whatever i see and i've seen a lot of paranormal shit so yeah
0: <laughs> for example
1: uh i i was uh demon possessed for a little while. Oh, tell me about that. Uh, sounds good. Tell me about that. that yeah, it was awesome. Um, I don't have a whole lot of memory of the time period, like just in general. After I kind of got away from uh, that era, there's uh, it, it's it's kind of like a hole in um in my memory now. I just remember, uh, I remember seeing it at one point. Mm-hmm. Like the demon or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, it was like, uh, gargoylish looking, like uh, not the uh, not the attractive types, mm-hmm. but um,
0: how how old were you?
1: Uh, between between like sixteen and eighteen. Oh, it was that long. Yeah. Well, I did it would. Not not like the possession type thing, but that it would uh i don't even know if that's the right word to use because I'm not super privy to uh the technicalities of that kind of thing, just my personal experience but um it fo- yeah it followed me around for that long mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yeah no recently i uh have had some pretty weird stuff going on here particularly it started with me sitting at my desk and I had this bottle of LaCroix that was open and it was just sitting uh on the other side of the desk and it scooted from one end of the desk to the other and I call that my mundane haunting because I was like there's no way to explain that because I pushed on the desk and I tried to get the can to move and nothing was happening and uh I was like well I guess it just fucking moved you know And so a little bit of time passed, and I was picking up Rios from work, and I pulled into my driveway, and when I looked out my window, this, like, seven-foot-tall shadow being just, like, walked up my driveway, right? And I, like, didn't really get scared. I just – it seemed like such a weird – it's odd. Every time I've seen something paranormal, like, you think you're going to get the shit scared out of you, but it's actually, like – Pretty, it like fits so perfectly into the environment that you barely even notice it. So I saw that, and then like the next day, uh Rios is noticing that there's this fly that keeps following me around, right? And she's like, "Yeah, when you were gone, the fly was on your computer, and then I saw the fly like come out of your shoe, and then you know, whenever you're here, the fly is swirling. Of course, that could just be because I smell like shit, but." The were <laughs> following me around, basically. So she, uh, she lit some sage and saged around me, and like all the smoke was like thick, you know, just like way thicker than normal. And uh, I told her I was. I told her about the thing that I had seen the night before, and she was like, "Are you serious?" And I said, "Yeah." She's like, "Well, a few days ago, our niece apparently said like she was looking out the window, and she was like, she said she saw like a shadow man walk across the backyard," and I was like fuck
1: (laughs) dude (laughs) yeah this shit's crazy because it's like Uh, you never
0: know what's out here man like this desert is like it's everything is so old you know so you just you don't really know what's just like walking around I tend to think that hauntings probably are less common in really urban areas like New York City and LA and stuff I mean I'm I mean I'm I'm not, exa- I don't exactly mean that. Right. Cause I mean, you have a lot of old buildings, a lot of people die. So of course you're going to have ghosts and stuff, but I think you find a lot right. of that like kind of old magic and old, like demonic entities and angelic entities and like old gods that people forgot about that. I, I'm pretty sure they live out in the desert.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. And,
0: so when you and were, then, uh... Uh, when you were possessed, from 16 to 18 and this thing was like kind of following you around. So you're saying that like at certain points it took control.
1: Uh, I think it was a major influence. Um, I, I like, I blocked a lot of shit out. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause out, out of like shame and guilt. And, uh, um, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, being in control of yourself is kind of a. Uh, it's kind of something you never know if you're never really sure if you are or not, regardless. But um, I mean, I'm. I, it was definitely an influence, and I I think, but I think uh, I had invited it in for sure. Did just you
0: use like a Ouija board or a spell book or something or what?
1: No, just um just really focusing on some dark shit yeah uh yeah. yeah yeah pretty much just i think i just opened up that that portal with uh how dark my thoughts were at the time yeah
0: you were listening to too many icp records dude that's how the devil gets in that
1: that's it and yeah <laughs> and uh kiss right and,
0: Marilyn manson
1: um, Marilyn manson that's yeah that's that's what did it.
0: Yeah, dude. I just I heard this quote recently that said that our uh, our heads are meeting places for spirits and our thoughts are their voices. So I uh, have a lot of resonance with what you're saying right now and you just you have to be as like a person who's walking around in a world that is definitely haunted and has like entities moving around, you kind of have to be just guarded about that shit, which is kind of to my mind where magic really comes in. You know, it's like all these things are out there and they're working and other people are working with them and doing things with them. And so to me, it just seems kind of interesting that some people sort of just like move through life and they're like, no, I don't, I don't want to fuck with that. Like I, you know, and I'm like, well, somebody's fucking with it. So might as well be me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I've gotten, uh, that's why I kind of got into, uh, magic and shit is because, uh just to basically be left alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, by by that shit like I'll tell uh, co-workers and stuff kind of about it like oh oh yeah, like really into it. I'll, it's a full moon tonight, I'm going to do this ritual or whatever. And they're like, "Man, if you ever cast a spell on me, I'm gonna fight you." <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, oh, and I'm like, "One, I don't even know how to do that. And uh, two, I have no interest. I just really I, I try to use this shit to just be allowed to chill, try to keep the universe from picking on me too much. Mm
0: -hmm. A good one is to take some St. John's wort and uh, buy it on a Friday or pick it on a Friday if you want to grow it. But you take it, you dry it out, and you hang it in your uh, backyard, like outside your your back door. And that's a really good ward for um, just spirits and other bullshit that might try to get in. Just throwing that out there, little recipe.
1: I'll have to use that, for sure.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's actually one thing that you and I have a lot in common, actually, is our interest in, in magic. You had sent me something via text earlier. What was that from?
1: Oh, that was a... I was just looking up a bunch of bullshit on Google about, like... Uh, I think I still have it up. It's, like... This is from someplace called org. It's all one word because uh, it's in the website, so I don't I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's from uh pyramid texts.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: So it, I was I was reading all about uh ancient ancient Egyptian magic and shit like that, and got into cannibalism as uh ritual cannibalism because they thought that uh, spiritual powers resided in the body and could be acquired by ingestion. Tight. Yeah, I just thought it was pretty metal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's
0: the other thing that a lot of people don't get about like magic and stuff is that like baseline there's shit going on in the world and you know, you can be uh, Christian, which to me doesn't really even seem all that Christian. It's kind of like the baseline Um, American thing to be right or you can pick something that's like fucking metal and also that seems to really work I mean prayer works no matter where you're doing it but uh, as far as like actually taking some control over your life that's why I think it's pretty fucking cool when you see like a bunch of people now who are like really getting into um, this kind of witchcraft stuff uh, because I think it has a lot to do with like the fact that we feel so hopeless in today's world and like magic is a way of sort of taking that that power back but it's not like it's also not it's also not a game you know i mean it's just it's real shit and once you do it and it works it's hard to explain to people you know i get i'm sure people listening to this right now are like these are two fucking weird motherfuckers right now because we're just sort of casually talking about all this kind of stuff and it's like well I don't know what to tell you, dude. I mean, like, most of the world believes this shit. We're at, like, you, like, people who don't are in the minority, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. And, uh, I mean, that that's, I mean, that's part of it, it's just, it, it works. And I think that's when I, uh, I really got into it when, um, uh, I was listening to Connor Habib, and, uh, it was, just a solo episode he was doing where he was just talking about magic rituals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was like, look, you can believe this shit or not, but it works. And just kind of left it at that. And I mean, he's a dude who just like, I mean, he's a ex porn star, just kind of normal guy with really interesting thoughts. But like, so hearing him talk about that kind of shit like me and you are now mm-hmm. I was I was like oh okay maybe it's not just like hipster like Tumblr, <laughs> look at look, look look at me I'm I'm so cool I'm I'm a badass witch type yeah, of yeah. bullshit
0: No yeah for sure yeah and the thing for me happened in a similar way cuz I was uh, reading Gordon White's book called The Chaos Protocols And the first chapter of that, it's a book about chaos magic, basically. But the first chapter of that is him kind of going over what's been happening in America as far as the 2008 financial crisis. So he's linking all this stuff to, uh, he basically says, like, the world is tough. It's really difficult. You can use magic to help, but you also have to understand how economies work, both uh, nationally and internationally. And you have to understand how u.s debt functions as like a mechanism to make the world work and you have to understand all this stuff so i'm reading this first chapter and it's very technical he has a great writing style that made it accessible but it was very very kind of technical stuff right and this is me before i got into any of this shit right so i'm reading this i'm like okay this is pretty cool i bought the book because grant morrison talks about chaos magic and i'm like well if grant morrison talks about it then that's pretty cool. So anyway, I get to chapter two and like the very first line of chapter two, he's like, it's a well-established fact that telepathy exists. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? You didn't know that?
0: Yeah. 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 But he, uh, but then he goes on to kind of explain it and I've done, I've looked into it and yeah, I mean the science is really like literally all there for telepathy being a real thing that really exists. So, um my dog is gonna start barking because my sister-in-law is coming home so hey listeners you're just gonna have to motherfucking deal with it because i'm not editing shit this week i can be on time with it i can be on time or i can have it be clean but i can't have it do both i kept getting like caught up in like the a few of the episodes past, i kept trying to like edit out like pauses like that like that i just did but i was kind of like you know just set your fucking pod catcher to smart speed and it'll take out all the pauses That's a little helpful tip.
1: Oh, we're getting all technical and shit.
0: Yep. Oh, but, uh, Gordon White has this great quote about magic and he says that magic works in practice, but not in theory. And I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, uh, that's something I was thinking a lot about that today. I was just, I was pretty much sniffing glue all day. So Mm -hmm. I had a lot of time to think. Um. uh, Oh, and then shit, and now I just lost my thought. (laughs) (laughs) Probably probably that glue sniffing catching up to me. It's
0: not not good for you. It's not good for you. Uh, But hey, so you just finished up a book. Let's talk about that a little bit because I like it a lot. In fact, I'm going to publish it on a publishing house that I run called Broken River Books. Uh, So tell me a little bit about this book that you just wrote.
1: Well, speaking of Grant Morrison, Mm. there's a – There's a character in this book that you're going to publish on this publishing house called Broken River that um, he has one leg. And uh, Grant, he had that thing about, like, that one character in The Invisibles where uh, there was, like, a stand-in for him or whatever.
0: King Mob. That,
1: like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so all this shit that, like, what was... (sighs) Uh, it's been so many years but he had that i can um... jump
0: in here i can jump in basically he has, <laughs> there's, there's a scene in the invisible well let me tell you a little bit about grant morrison and the invisibles uh so grant morrison constructed this uh ep- epic i think something like 60 issue comic series called the invisibles which is a precursor to the matrix um which is essentially about oh wow now that's loud can you hear that
1: A little bit. Wow.
0: All right. Well, we're powering through, man. We're powering through. Okay, so The Invisibles uh, comic book, and it acts as something called a hypersigil, which is basically a piece of art that is meant to affect a kind of radical change within reality. And part of the ritual stuff that he was doing was he put himself into the comic book as this badass freedom fighter named King Mob who sort of fights these spidery things called the Archons. And there's a series of issues where King Mob is kidnapped by the archons and is tortured he's given a a serum that makes it so that if you write a word on a piece of paper he sees the actual thing and so one of the things that they do to him is they write on the paper like your face is melting and of course he sees it as a mirror where he can see his own face melting and what ended up happening is after grant morrison wrote that He developed some kind of fungus parasite thing on his face that began like eating his flesh (laughs) So that's the background that you're looking for I believe
1: Yes, that's exactly the story I was looking for And uh, I was writing this character who has one leg And I got to um, It started off The book ended up not being really closely related to me at all but it started off with an idea that I wanted to, it to be, like, very personal. And uh, so he started as, like, a stand-in for me or whatever. And uh, I rode him with one leg, and the whole time I was riding it, like, I just had these shooting pains every time I walked. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, fuck, I need to give this guy his leg back. But, you know, I'm almost done, so I won't. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh but beyond that, the um the book started as a uh a this this short story idea of these uh twin brothers in a trunk because one of them had, had gotten them there by fucking something up and then they were just I needed that uh it really goes back to heathenish like post heathenish which was actually about my life um my uh the sean character and i we split ways and uh ended our relationship on like a not it it just got a little ugly between us and he um he's in prison now and i've talked to him like twice in the past three years and uh it. I wanted it. I started it off as kind of being like my reconciliation with him. As so, I made these like brother characters, who were opposites in a lot of ways, but like had love for each other, and uh, that's sort of where I shot off from. It became something that's completely fictional. Thankfully, like I needed a breath of fresh air after all that emotional turmoil I was putting myself through trying to write all this, like, heartfelt garbage. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just just decided to have fun with it after that, and... Um... I work a whole lot, and, of course, there's frustrations with being a working-class hustler, and so I threw in some... some shit about grinding, like, uh... if, If there's a plot summary for it then i guess it's just they have to come up with rent money within a week or else they get evicted and uh and on top of that like they uh only one one brother has a job and the other one just got out of prison and then the other brother loses his job so gotta go get that bread
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. No, And that's what I really, really liked about it. And that's kind of the direction that I'm trying to take uh, my publishing house called Broken River Books in, is more towards these really, really small, uh, sort of intimate crime books. Because over the course, it's called The Way We Came In, by the way, over the course of The Way We Came In, um, there, you get a really good picture of who these characters are, and where they live, and kind of what their lives are like. But The stakes for it, I mean, even though they do end up in a trunk and it gets pretty hairy there towards the end, the stakes for it are not like, you know, the typical crime book where it ends up going all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the top. I'm much more interested in watching the rats eat each other right now because I feel like that speaks more to our time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also because, like, (sighs) i I don't really care for those stories that go all the way to the top so much because um it like I've I've lived that shit and I never knew the guys at the top. So like how how do you always get all the way to the top within one story when like people people who live this shit don't even know who those motherfuckers are yeah
0: scarface does it in like three hours or whatever it's like it just doesn't feel right it's probably the, i mean and i feel like those stories have been told so fucking well that they don't just don't need to be told anymore i mean we have breaking bad that exists you know uh we have the wire that exists both of those shows contain arcs within them of somebody going from kind of low levels all the way to the top of a crime organization. In The Wire, it's Marlowe. And obviously in Breaking Bad, it's uh, Walter White, Mr. White. Uh, But yeah, but those stories, it's like I'm not super interested in them anymore. And what I'm having a lot of trouble finding, like I found it in You, I found it in Gabino. Uh, There are a few books coming out soon that I also kind of saw it in. Christopher Rosales' book is a really good example of this. But it seems almost like I don't want to generalize too many writers because today I put up a post that said I'm not going to give a fuck about people's backgrounds anymore. I'm going to stop driving myself crazy thinking about like, who's a rich kid who went and got an MFA? Like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I don't have time to care about that shit. But I do think that there's something to be said for people who not, not even necessarily were in it, but people who observed their time amongst that type of person. And I think that a lot of people just don't do that
1: yeah yeah that's uh I, 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 saw, I saw that post too and that's something I always struggle with cause I always hate on rich people and I mean I guess they're people too but uh I I, I lost my train of thought again that's okay um, that's
0: okay. losing <laughs> trains of thought is completely okay that's fine no yeah cause I used to hate on them a bunch and uh and it was it was for i mean at the end of the day it's because i'm jealous right it's because i want a bunch of money i want my life to be easier than it is i want to be afforded all those all the opportunities that money brings uh but at the end of the day every second that i spend hating on those people is a second that i'm not spending doing something to fix my position within the world and the other thing is is that nobody else cares either i'm beginning to really pick up on a lot of the things that bother me like nobody else really gives a shit about you know i'll rant and rave about all sorts of manner of things and it's just like yeah dude nobody nobody cares put it in the books man just put it in the fucking books
1: yeah yeah including the wealthy people i don't think they give a shit either
0: no of course not why Uh, would they they're rich
1: yeah i think we uh It really comes down to how we project um, our uh, our our day to day frustrations onto some something outside of us, like oh, it's your fault that you know. Oh, if only I, yeah, if I'd have grown up in the in the suburbs with a two story house and you know whatever whatever they have, Mm -hmm. then.
0: I just think about it from the point of view of like going to the gym and it's like, I could go in there and be like, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. You have all, you've had all this time to be in the gym and you're all muscular. Look at you, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's like I could either pick up the weights or not. Like it doesn't make any sense to hate on people who are at a more advanced place than me, no matter what. But you know what? I say all that and I always will probably have a little bit of resentment if I meet somebody who's like, 18 or 19 and they're like working for a high powered fucking uh, New York press right and they're doing their internship I will always hate them just a little bit I reserve that right (laughs) but not to the point that it's going to get in my way
1: I don't think that's because of their position I think that's just because they're 18
0: that's true I hate uh, hate children
1: dude yeah children suck
0: (laughs) (laughs) how are your kids by the way
1: they're good uh they're uh kind of all over the place they're like 8 hours away from here and then uh my my folks live like 5 hours away from me mm-hmm. so they're they're actually going to see them like this weekend and go swimming and stuff like that uh i have to work but um no they're they're growing like crazy That's My oldest she's really She's really, really smart.
0: Yeah, like in what way? Everybody, because I always hear that from people. They're like, "My kid is smart," and I'm like, "Why?" They're like, "You're not going to believe this thing that they said."
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I uh, just, uh, I think the not the, um, saying that
0: your kid isn't smart. By the way, I'm just saying.
1: No, no, I complete, I completely understand. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that's every parent. But um, she, uh, the way she's advanced I, I, I always forget how old she is partly because i always forget just what year it is but um i always think she's like three years older than she actually is just the way she talks and our like the way she articulates things will use certain words and has such a grasp of like sarcasm and mm-hmm. just all that kind of stuff i like i can sit down one-on-one with her and talk to her like I would any adult.
0: Mm-hmm. Right on, right on. Well, actually, I'm going to switch gears real fast because, like, I'm thinking about the end of the book, and at the end, in your acknowledgements, you mentioned a lot of rappers that you were listening to at the time. Well, like, what is the connection there? Because I've been thinking about this a lot. What's the connection between rap and the way that you write?
1: Uh, there's, got to, there's got to be some connection there. Um, I know that during my crafting process i'm trying to follow a beat like uh, like like if you've ever w- which i think you have like ever wrapped freestyled or anything like that you it the format is sort of this thing that's just in the air you have to follow this beat and feel the rhythm and then fill it in really however you want to however you want to attack it with the word structure of your choosing and uh I th- that that's uh that's how I come to to writing a whole lot is uh I don't really listen to music while physically writing but um I always try to feel a rhythm before I get started mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't I don't know people you know always talk about you gotta keep these authors on deck like for uh, for when you're jumping into your next thing and you know they talk about who, which I do have I do have literary influences of course but um, I don't know music is a much bigger influence on the way that I like to string words together, and in just what I like to consume I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot in terms of uh Starlito because I've been listening to a lot of Starlito um he's a he's a rapper from tennessee i think and uh yeah he's got a big big catalog of stuff and i'm just when i listen to the way that that guy raps he actually reminds me of how danny brown used to rap back on like triple x or uh even a little bit on old i feel like on atrocity exhibition like the rapping there is still good but danny kind of i don't know it just doesn't feel the same as the early stuff anyhow With Starleto, what he does so well is that he takes this sort of formula, which is the beat and and the kind of the tropes of rap music, and he sort of just sprinkles in details that make you kind of see everything, you know? And it'll just be like... I can't even think of a good example right now, but it'll just be like little... Like the last bar of his verse will have like a detail that he could only know if he was actually there, you know? And it in turn makes the entire song work and i think a lot of rappers and by turn a lot of writers miss that they know what the structure of the thing that they're writing is supposed to look like but they're missing that little thing that makes it both unique and feel real at the same time and i think that that's something that you get right like you understand that there's like little details like you go into somebody's house and they're living in one of those uh i don't know pieces of shit with like you know a fucking Looney Tunes sheet over the window instead of a curtain and you go in and they're there and they're like, I don't know, they're chopping up weed or whatever, but they're, they're chopping it up with like a, I don't know, a library card or something. You know what I mean? Like the the <laughs> fact that you've used like the library card as an example of what they're chopping weed up with that little detail says so much and you don't need to say anything else. Like the smart people get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think uh in an example from a a book I, I think in like in Blackgum you had that uh the peanuts bandana mm-hmm. the bandana with the with the peanuts gang on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah, no cuz that's that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is like you know, you have people putting on balaclavas or something like that, but I think in the way we came in doesn't he put one on and it's uh. What, what's on it is it a it's something's on the beanie
1: it was a houston rockets beanie right. cut out to look to look like a balaclava
0: there you go see perfect yeah it's <laughs> it's little details like that it's not in reinventing the wheel it's just in you you take characters and you put them into situations and then you let the characters do whatever they want to do and i think that I don't know. I hate looking at things from like the negative, but I always do. So I always look at like what what is going on that I don't like. And I think that it's like a paint by numbers thing where you can have a character and you can add in all their worries and concerns and and they have a family and the kid comes up and says, "Dad, play baseball with me." And the dad says, "I will not play baseball with you because I'm too busy doing dark fucked up shit." You know, and it's like all that is there. You can do that. I mean, or you can just have, like, a complete psychopath criminal who's also, like, just kind of good to his kid. But, you know, the kid maybe is, is really into, like, those, <clears throat> like, weird online YouTube videos where, you know, the chick from Frozen gets cut in half by Spider-Man and shit, you know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the dad's just like, what the fuck are you watching? And the kid's like, I'm watching the chick from Frozen get cut in half by Spider-Man. Like, that's a whole scene right there. Like that says a lot, like about their dynamic. And like, see, we're just like, we're giving out gold right now, basically. But
1: yeah, this is like free shit right here.
0: I know. I swear to God, if I see <laughs> anybody put that in their books, I'm coming for you. I'm gonna break your neck. But but anyway, yeah. No, I think that people can learn a lot from from hip hop music, and I think that that's where, for me at least, like the details in um, certain like folk music usually doesn't work i listened to mount eerie recently like a crow looked at me that was a really good one that guy's a really good lyricist um is that what they're called songwriter songwriter yeah uh but anyway that album is fucked up dude like his wife died and he wrote an album about like dealing with grief but he has these great details sprinkled in it it's all about the details i guess yeah
1: yeah the right ones yeah
0: yeah so uh so what's up? what's up next for you?
1: uh i'm kind of i'm I'm trying to keep focused because um I'm writing such short shit right now that um i I think that I can stay focused on like a little bitty novelette novella, whatever you wanna call it uh versus juggling like I usually do but uh, i do have a ton of ideas i'm excited about the next one um i don't know how to pitch it yet because i pitched it to a uh, or tried to explaining it to a coworker and she was like oh that that sounds really sad and i was like no it's not gonna be sad <laughs> but like what what do you mean yeah, yeah, it's gonna be kind of fun like it's gonna be kind of funny but, but uh but i mean it's about kids getting locked up in cages, which is... Topical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but you know, the kids are, like, hood rats and shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'm working on one where um, I really just... I, I find myself always trying to uh, write dialogue. I'm always trying to get to that point where characters are just having a conversation.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and then I want to linger there and when it's kind of like I need to move the story on I'm like oh damn it the conversation was getting good Mm -hmm. like so uh I came up with a story that takes place entirely in a car uh my working title is uh a thousand miles in a busted ass Cadillac nice yeah and uh It's about these three hood rat friends that have different things going on that'll kind of be unveiled just throughout their long ass car ride. Sounds like a play. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what we do, man. Yeah. I'm the same way with dialogue. I like to have characters just talk. You said something really interesting, kind of like maybe uh, go into this just a little bit, but you said something about like how when the plot has to kick in and you're like, "Oh, the conversation is getting really good." This has been a bugbear of mine lately where in my opinion, like the plot doesn't have to fucking do anything. You know what I mean? Like if the conversation is getting really good, and I think for me personally, I think when my books come out, like maybe not the next one, but some of the ones after that, like people might get a little bit frustrated because it's like, "Wait a second. There's a setup." And then people just talk and talk and talk. And then it just fucking ends. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't like all that plot shit. I don't like the three-act structure. (laughs) I get nervous. I get like when I'm watching a movie and it gets to the end of the second act and I start feeling that the creator has to start like wrapping it up, I get super, super anxious. Like I don't like it. There are movies I think that are created sort of from the the back forward where you can tell the ending was – the point all along and those don't really suffer from it that much but i'm more just like start with a premise and just see where it goes and then when it's done just end it end it when you run out of steam
1: yeah yeah i think the only way to have a a plot or whatever and it not feel like that like you're just trying to wrap shit up is to start with some kind of concept like a like that movie tangerine mm-hmm. where like right from the get-go, this is what this movie's going to be about. And then at the end of the day, the movie's over. Like, literally, at the end of that day, movie's over.
0: Right. Yeah, no, and that's how I think, like, I think that's how we should be writing, too. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't understand anymore like we're holding on to and people will be dragged kicking and screaming to the end of it and they will they will eventually understand what it is that we're trying to do here but yeah it's like i'm not telling any more three-act stories that shit is boring uh unless of course you know that's if that's how it comes to me fully formed then that's fine but i don't see that happening anytime soon
1: yeah yeah me either i uh i was working on another project with um with somebody else, which is something I want to get back into uh but it was a lot more one it was a it, it was like a first time experience for both of us. We'd never written some something with somebody else before
0: mm.
1: and uh so it was kind of feeling it out and um and and then it was like it was getting very plot heavy which I don't want to see as a negative because, you know, I also like genre shit and, you know, you can, there, there's books I love that have plots, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not a place where I'm at is like creative wise. So, uh, I don't know. We had to put a pin in that for a yeah. while.
0: Yeah. and I think too, I think that whenever you get to a point where you have writer's block, for example, I think that, um, every time, that I get writer's block with something, it means that my mind is trying to tell me that something needs to make a sharp left turn, you know? And so if I have a plot started and let's say I think that people are going to rob a bank and I'm getting right up to the bank robbery and I start to write it and it feels wrong, it means I have to go back and something else has to happen. You know, their car has to break down before they get to the bank or somebody has to start vomiting uncontrollably. You know, it's it's always it always means that You took a wrong turn, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I was, I I got serious writer's block from that, like, before I figured out what was happening, I I went back to heathenish, which was sort of a cheat to write because I just, uh, I, like, I changed names and I turned Mm -hmm. some real people into, like, Maybe I I turned like five different people into one person, you know. But aside, but aside from that, it was just like I just wrote what happened, and so I'm like, okay, if I I, I put this book together really easily, what about it could I fabricate to make like something, to make something up, but to get that kind of a, uh, that kind of propulsion back into my writing, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean real life shit is just a lot of. You, you start doing something and it doesn't pan out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I love that too because then you're a- actually asking an interesting question. You know, you, when I think things start happening and shit gets interesting and art starts to mean something when it moves away from convention essentially, right? Like Twin Peaks would just be a noir until it moves into this, like, extra-dimensional Black Lodge-type scenario, right? Or um, No Country for Old Men is a genre movie about, uh, and book, obviously, about a dude who comes across a lot of money that belongs to the cartel, and he's hunted by a psychopath. But No Country for Old Men begins to mean something when Llewellyn gets killed two-thirds of the way through the movie, and then Sugar still carries out what he told him that he was going to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's when it starts to... That's when books start to mean something. But when a book just wraps up, you have you've severely limited what the meanings can be because if your criminal gets away with it, then that's what it means. But if the criminal doesn't get away with it, then that's what it means. So and that I guess that kind of scarface punished for your, you know, go all the way to the top and then, you know, get punished for your for your sins is like it's just really Protestant, really Christian and really kind of boring now. Like that story has been told over and over and over
1: yeah yeah because see if you go like probably not these days but when i was coming up as a kid looking up to you know people i knew from the hood and stuff like they idolized tony montana as scarface at his prime not like not when he comes down And you know has his tragic fall or whatever, but like him, like it's sort of a. I always saw it saw it as um almost a rags to riches story, which people love that shit when it doesn't involve drugs and guns and stuff. Mm. But you know, I I mean it was this. Cuban guy makes a name for himself mm-hmm. coming from coming from nothing like that was something like he would, he's a he's a hood hero, you know. Mm-hmm. But they they rob you of that with the the way they want to turn this shit into a morality tale.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like what would happen if he just made all that fucking money and then that's it. You know, it just ends with him like with all that coke on his nose and he's just the king and that's the end of the movie. You know,
1: to be a great close out scene <laughs>
0: <laughs> where he just wins like where he just fucking wins but uh, anyway man hey thanks for coming on the show I'm, uh, I'm getting these bitches down to fucking 45 minutes so we're almost at 50 so I gotta let you go cause I'm just trying to make gotcha I'm trying to make them a little bit shorter but uh, great conversation the book is called The Way We Came In and that shit is gonna come out when do you think? sometime next month?
1: Probably. Yeah. We're Wait, not, we're waiting not sure. on that cover.
0: Yeah, we're not sure yet. We'll see when we see when we get the cover and I get it all, designed and stuff. But um, all right, hey, thanks, man.
1: Yeah, always.